0: We all have dreams, we all have hopes, and and we all have things that we want to accomplish. It's just that some of us, we have to put them on hold due to circumstances.
1: You're listening and watching the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. And this is a trial run of the Mental Health Download live on Facebook, so bear with me. I did put a jacket on for this. (laughs) Rebecca Hubbard is my co-host today and has been my co-host so many times during the COVID era. And our official guest is Tiffany Ramirez, who Rebecca actually approached to be on the Mental Health Download because she is just a big admirer of what Tiffany and her team are doing. And so, Tiffany, welcome to the Mental Health Download.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. It's, It's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you guys.
1: Awesome. All right. So, Tiffany, if you can, just give us a little bit of background about you and the organization that you serve.
0: Yeah, sure. So, my name is Tiffany Ramirez. I'm the Empower OKC Program Manager at Lilyfield. Lilyfield has done foster care and adoption programming for about 19, 20 years, and Empower OKC is a program that was born from the question of how can we prevent the circumstances that lead families to be involved in the child welfare system? So, two years ago, I came into the picture of this of this program when when it started. So it's been quite a journey, definitely. We've seen a lot of growth. It was really kind of strange the way I came into into the picture it was through a mutual friend of mine and Holly. Holly is our executive director at Lilyfield. and this person, his name is is a professor from Oklahoma Christian University. His name is Dudley, and he heard what Holly was looking for, that she was looking for someone bilingual person that you kind know, of like shared the vision of Lilyfield in you know being with you know families and all those things and And thankfully, Dudley thought about me and connected us. So yeah, it it was just kind of like something that happened super quick. I've been here for two years, actually. So since we started Empower KC.
1: And just for the audience, I, I actually first sort of was introduced to Tiffany as a audience member of a mental health town hall in Oklahoma City that city councilors Joe Beth Hammond, James Cooper, and Nikki Nice arranged, and Tiffany was a panelist, but she also was the Spanish language translator, which, my goodness, (laughs) was such a task um, to... to, I did
0: my best.
1: (laughs) You did. did. It was was amazing, and I thought, and as we talked about before the podcast, it really was, it's something that I hope to see becomes more common, and that we can reach out to people uh, who do not You know, who do not speak English because there are so many people who need our services who aren't going to be able to understand what we're saying. And so I think my question for you, Tiffany, is, you know, give us a overview of how you think the mental health system is serving people who do not speak English as their first language.
0: All right. That's a very good question. (laughs) I'll try to be as political correct as I can. (laughs) Uh, no I'm kidding so I I know you already asked me to share a little bit about myself a little bit about my my background but I'll share it a little bit more (laughs) since we're going deep into this question I came to United States when I was about to be 18 so I didn't speak any English you know that was about 15 years ago so it was uh, you know me and my family we didn't know Technically, we didn't know anybody here in Oklahoma. It was our first time living here in the United States. So when you come from that from that type of situation, it's really not many things that you feel like you are uh, eligible to, to get a hold of or any, you know, you think you are limited into the resources or the things that you can do. And although I was born in the United States, I grew up in Mexico. You know, all my life until I was 18, when I came here, and even in that sense, you know, I I was able to get a hold of more resources than other people in in my life. But still, you you that is kind of like something that stays within you. Uh, that and especially when you don't know how the system works, you don't know what's there, what's available. You know what resources are, and and not just into mental health, also into education and other important topics where the government is involved and and i think that is the key that we think that the government is involved in many things which they are but just because it has a governmental seal or you know entity or name behind it it's already there is already some sort of wall if you will uh, into okay if i get into this if I get a hold of these resources or if I go and search for more of this and, and that, what is that going to do to my life? What is that going to do to my family? So, and then you come another part of another, the other side of the of the coin will be also that in, in that sense, our culture is not very much into, it's, it's not very normal or very common to hear, oh, I'm accessing mental health resources or searching for a counselor or things like that, because it's not—it's just not something that, that we grew up with, or it's not something that you share openly. So with that said, I think it's, it's been both sides. I see, or CD, I see the, the resources that are out there kind of like not really realizing how much of a need that was. For instance, if I go back into, and this is not even what is happening right now, if I go back to my eighteen year old self in that time in that moment I mean I was if you really think about it, I was facing separation from something that I knew all my life you know I was into something new I think accessing to mental health resources would have helped me uh, avoid a certain cir- circumstances or certain things that happen in my life but since you're new to this, I mean you don't know what's there what's available and and not just me but also the adults in my life and you know people surrounding me or the the circle that I was in in that moment since it's not something very that you had that it was advertising and so I think that's on that side that sometimes mental health associations or resources are not really going the extra mile to advertise to know to let other people know that They're there, and they're available, and there is nothing wrong with accessing to those resources. We're all human. Rebecca, you mentioned something a little bit before we started. You said, I'm only human, (laughs) and that is, I mean, that is true, and that is so true to every single person, and not just uh, immigrants or not just people that live here their whole lives. I mean, that is true to everybody. So there is that side, and then there is another side. There is very little efforts, I think, into bringing this type of topics in our community, and educating our community in into precisely that, that we're humans, and it's okay if we're not okay. Wow. I think I gave you the long answer no, to that, that was, question. That was phenomenal.
1: <laughs> um, now, can you do that in Spanish? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, give me another 30 minutes. <laughs> Um, (laughs) So, Rebecca, I'm sure you were just as moved as I was during Tiffany's very eloquent explanation. You know, what are some of your thoughts about what she said and, you know, maybe some of the next steps that our mental health community needs to take to better serve people who English is not their first language?
2: Right. So that's exactly why Tiffany and I got connected because, so I just tend to be inclusive I want, I'm just an inclusive person, and taking the role that I did back in November with MHAOK, I quickly learned how limited and how many barriers and obstacles there are between connecting a Spanish-speaking population to the resources and supports that are available to them with regard to mental health and wellness. Everything from not reciprocating licenses from other countries to translation and interpretation kind of ending up actually being a barrier in therapeutic sessions rather than an asset, to literally not knowing that it's available, as Tiffany mentioned, to not really understanding uh, on our side, the resource side, not understanding how to connect with Spanish-speaking communities and meet them where they're at. So I've traveled to some other countries, and I know that just my experience with in the world does this travel system work you know i can't get my ticket to work to go through the 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 turnstile to get on the tube or, or the metro or whatever i have no signs in english and i don't know where i'm supposed to go you know and so i can only for me i can only imagine um what that would be like when you completely move into a new culture with new language new experiences new ways of doing things and that lack of knowledge of how to access and intersect with resources that would be supportive. So I started investigating. (laughs) I started saying, I just, you know, you just ask the question, hey, can someone help me find someone that can help with the Spanish-speaking community and connecting them to the resources we have? And it just led to multiple wonderful people, and one of them was Tiffany. And so I had this incredible opportunity to meet with her and when she shared what Empower OKC was doing, it kind of shifted from help us to help this Hispanic community to me going, how do we help you? You're doing incredible work. This is awesome. And so that's why I invited her to be here today. And I'm very excited about the collaborative partnership that she and I with Empower OKC and Mental Health Association, as well as some other Spanish-speaking population leaders are developing so that we really can truly allow Spanish-speaking populations to be who they are and adapt our way of providing services to best meet that need. And I think they are doing an incredible job doing that. So I want to just ask Tiffany, would you give the beautiful, eloquent, Rundown of what Empower OKC does that you shared with me just a few days ago. Yes, of course. Thank you. So, like I said, Empower OKC
0: is a is a prevention program. So we started with that question: to so how can we prevent the circumstances that lead families to be involved with the child welfare system? So we developed this program, and when I say we, is more of like my executive director, Holly Towers, <laughs> and, and me helping a little bit as well but from a casey family program that is a, a community of hope into you have the community helping the community and through that we just develop different programmings within the empower c per empower KC program so one of them is a, a kids club and uh, kids club it's a it's a mixture of a mentoring program which is a we call them connectors essentially because We believe they're mentors, but we call them connectors because we we kind of see them as kind of the bridge between the families and the resources that can get connected. We don't, at Empower OKC, we don't intend to have the answer for everything, but we do intend to connect the families to the resources that they they need if we don't have them. So we place these connectors in, in different schools. We serve at Brookwood Elementary School, Esperanza Elementary School and Karenville Elementary School. So this program is based into we came within our partnership with DHS and we found there was five essentially five zip codes within Oklahoma City where kids were coming into higher rates and three of them are adjacent to each other in in 73108, 73119 and 73129 and at our office is a zip code 73108 so from there, uh, these three schools are kind of like really close to us within that ratio. So we, we place these mentors and we let the school decide with our partnership with OKCPS, obviously, decide who they believe is at risk. So they refer those families to us. We come into contact with the families. The families agree to be on our program. Essentially, it's a two-year program where these mentors, these connectors, We'll stay with the student for, for the school year, helping them in four essential ways. The uh, first one will be relationship building, uh, capacity building. We, we do also problem solving. And the very, this is the, probably the concept that sounds pretty small, but for me is the biggest one, is persistent. So we help the, the students navigate the school system, helping them academically. In any way that we can, but also the second part of the kids club is the after school program. So in the after school program, we work with a social emotional skills, trying to build that into the students that we have. For the most part, we have the same kids that are part of Check and Connect, uh, which is a program that we use for, for mentoring, are the same kids that are part of after school programming as well. But also we have some that only get one or the other. And then for our youth club, we do also, we do mentoring. So we, we also with our partnership with DHS and our partnership with OKCPS, we get the referrals from DHS saying we have this kid. And then we say we have OKCPS saying, yes, they are within our district. And then we send a mentor. And these are, these are kids that are in high school and they're experiencing foster care or they're already or they had experienced foster care previously. So we place also a mentor uh, with them to help them navigate the school system, help them get to graduation. And then also we have what we call life skills classes type of thing. Obviously it's not, uh, you have to make it a little bit more uh, appealing for the youth. So it, that looks like a Instagram platform, and, you know, going live on Instagram and things like that, having I mean, that sort of, of thing. And then we also have our Parenting clubs where we implement. We're about to. We were about to implement this program before the pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic started, and so. But we also going to started in June. So I'm like, we need to go back to this. We. This is the time <laughs> where we need um, our parents to be more engaged and give them the tools. So we're gonna use a curriculum that is called uh, Raising Highly Capable Kids. So we uh, have. When we started our partnership, we started with Westwood Elementary School, which is adjacent to, a, to us. But unfortunately, last year, when uh, the pathway to greatness happened in, in the Oklahoma City district, public school district, Westwood was West closed. But we still have those contacts. And one of those is uh, one of the parents that was part of PTA. And so she got, we hired her to be our parenting club uh, advocate. So she's gonna be the one implementing this program, this curriculum with the other parents. So you have a parent that comes from the community, you have a parent that uh has that that knows also you kind know, of like the system and other parents that it's kind of, if you will, kind of like a peer-to-peer support group type of thing. Wow. That's great. <laughs> That's um,
1: great. I have, I have a question for Tiffany. Um, how has the services that you offer changed? compared to pre-COVID to this current COVID era?
0: My question. <laughs> <laughs> Took it. Well to answer both of your questions. <laughs> 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 yes, Dad is wow. It we had to be creative. We we knew that we could not just stop serving our families. And also I didn't want to stop serving our kids either. So So what we, we converted, because this happened, we were still doing our after school programs, we go into the schools. Um, And Heronville, Rockwood, and Esperanza, we go at 3, 3 3.30 in the afternoon, and we do the programming at each school. So obviously we could not do that uh, anymore. So what we decided is we created uh, a YouTube channel where Rosetta Sarabia, she is our Empower Kids Club coordinator and she shares the lesson that we normally do in the actual school programming, uh, which we use a second-step curriculum that the the Oklahoma City Public Schools are using Uh, anyways. We wanted to align with what they were teaching also. So she shares those lessons every week. So every week we upload on our YouTube channel, which if you guys want to subscribe, you can subscribe. (laughs) You can go to Empower Kids Club on YouTube and you'll find us. And then additionally, in addition to that, we created uh, Zoom groups. So we have a collaboration with the Halo Project and where we create, they bring mental health resources to parents and then as we bring them to the kids. So we created Zoom groups with that, that we have, we have about three different Zoom groups that happen every week. So we, we also share a lesson. For instance, this week, I did one yesterday. Uh, this week was listening. So helping them with listening skills and all that sort of thing. And then we also are doing, since we are not able to have that. So the kids that come to our program, these are for the most part kids that have a lot of sensory challenges and they uh, sort of need to get their energy release And, and so what we created is that since we're not able to have them and they need to be active, they, they need to, to get a hold of those you know sensory stuff and, and, and things like that. We created activity kits that we put together every week. Do you have some examples that you could share with us of, I mean, you don't, I know you don't want to give too much detail, any one particular student or family or experience, but some experiences that you witnessed that you went wow, I love my job kind of moments. Great question. Well, I can, I have many of them. (laughs) I can, I can go on the whole day, but this one is coming to mind. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were on Fridays, like I said, on Fridays, we give away the families come and they pick up their activity kits. And we also, for the most part, uh, almost every week we have some sort of snacks or food or groceries that we can give also. So this mom came and also we have tablets that we're, we're sharing. Also, we were giving away uh, some tablets. So this mom comes and she got, she got her activity packets. She got some groceries and she got some tablets for her kids. And uh, so she can access, it was during school, school was still going. And as we were talking, I was, as we were sharing, well, she was sharing some stuff with me and, and she mentioned she said, "I'm having a lot of trouble with this particular kid of hers, one of her children." And she said, "Do you guys?" And, and she went even, which is normal for her culture. I was like, "This is so Mexican." <laughs> but uh, she said, she just lowered her voice and she said, "Do you guys have any anything that you can help me with? Because I feel like he needs more help and and like emotionally." And I said, yes, we do have a counseling program. Uh, so we have counselor, counselors here on staff and I can refer you to, to one of them. So in that moment, Empower Casey not only fulfilled her physical needs of food and activities, but also the mental health need that, that she had. And so it was, yeah, it was just, just to know that we were there for her, like she was in need. And she didn't know, obviously, it felt like she was really desperate to to have someone to help her in that way, to help her son. And, and just to know that we were there to fulfill those needs, it's priceless. Yeah. So I know you guys have five counselors on staff, and you do all these great, you know, interactive programs with the kids, and you've been so adaptive with COVID. What was the number again? Yes, so our first year we were serving 17 kids on our Check and Connect program, which is our mentor program, five kids on our uh, after school program. And then the following year we went to 75 kids on our uh, mentoring program, to 90, close to 90 kids on our after school programming. And since COVID 19, we went to up to uh, 324. Wow! Change, if you ask me, <laughs> it's such an incredible testimony to the fact that you were already connected to the community, and when all those pressures came on, they had someone to turn to. And I just, I think that is so highly valued for me, anyways, and it should be highly valued by everyone uh, because it's a when we're already there, that's where we want to be. We don't want to respond to a crisis or trauma or a difficulty
2: you know, kind of trying to gather all our pieces together at the time, we want to be prepared already and be there and be, be there. Right.
0: And, and so I just, I love what you all are doing. I love the after school programs, the social, emotional learning, the academic assistance. I love the family support and outreach. I love the connection to mental health resources and support in a way that feels comfortable and safe for the Hispanic, Latin, or otherwise, you know, Spanish-speaking cultures and and communities. I absolutely love what you all are doing. I think it is phenomenal. I, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. You're doing good things. I also want to mention how you talked about connectors and how You see them as mentors, but they're also connecting to this and that. And I just want to share with you that I'm actually working on suicide prevention grant. And one of the biggest areas, strategies that they're looking at is connection. And so I feel like, you know, your connectors are doing that. And that's probably the very most valuable is that they're creating connection with those kiddos and themselves between the kiddos that are involved in the program, with the families, with the kiddos in the families, and between the families, because, and that's the way that these Spanish-speaking cultures work, right? They're very family community oriented. So it's just been a beautiful picture of implementing programmatic, you know, kind of American-born programmatic processes and you know, reforming them to fit the Spanish-speaking community. And I just want to commend you all. I would love to know how individuals can support you, the work you're doing, either you directly or other other ways in the community they could support you. Thank you, thank you. Yes, I, I think you, uh, before I move into that, I think you said it correctly. And I think it, that hits the mark when you say, kind of like restructure the ways of, it's not that, the city or the state or our government are not doing the resources. It's just that we're not restructure them in into fit the needs uh, that are out there. That is more diverse than we think. But yes, we. I mean, obviously, we are we're a nonprofit, so obviously, all the help that we can get, whether it's in kind donations or your monetary donations, definitely uh, support that way of support is welcome they can go to any of our websites they can go to lilyfield.org or they can go to empower okc families i'm sorry empowerfamiliesokc.org and there are ways to 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 give in in both sides and then also definitely support and in, into i mean we're Probably gonna need the help of the community. And again, this is where I'm having more trouble into or it's a little more challenging into finding people that obviously we're serving a highly Hispanic community, and it's finding people that can help us carry the vision that people that look like us, that speak like us, and that they can get a little more comfortable. And in the key here is helping the families get comfortable in trusting us. And sometimes seeing someone that looks like you or that speaks like you definitely helps on that. So those are ways that we can definitely use some of the support <laughs> we we can only do so much and, and we would love to do more so
1: this has been just a fascinating conversation. I know the conversation between you and Tiffany has only just begun. I know that our organizations are going to work very closely which is really exciting because there are so many people who need all of our services. So Tiffany, as we do here at the end of every podcast slash uh, Facebook live, we're on the, just the frontier of video here at the Mental Health Download. So thank you for being our first trial interview. That that was very kind of you. But as we do, we ask the guests to say a few parting words of wisdom. And then if you could close us out by saying our rallying cry, uh, especially now during May's Mental Health Month, which is go do good things and be a part. So take it away, Tiffany.
0: With this uh, conversation, it just has taken me into uh, what I was saying a little bit ago, kind of like a restructure of things that you have people, you know, different uh, communities, different people that look maybe not the same. And and I'm going to use this concept because I heard it once and it's just being stuck in my head. Unity is not uniformity. So I think that we as human beings, it's already a powerful. It's already something uh, strong enough to keep us united. And I feel like this is the only way that we're going to be able to overcome all the situations that we're seeing. You know, it's not just mental health. It's education. It's you know other other stuff. As uh, suicide prevention obviously falls into. Uh, mental health, but it's also one of the biggest problems, I mean, we're seeing it in our services with elementary school level students. So there are so many things uh, that we all need help, and this is something that I always say. We all have dreams, we all have hopes, and, and we all have things that we want to accomplish. It's just that some of us, we have to put them on hold due to circumstances. But I also think that there is a lot of people out there that have the willingness, the power, the resources of helping others so why not getting united in that way and that doesn't mean that we all have to look the same way we all have to speak the same way it just means that we all have to put the same effort into overcoming the same obstacles that we're all facing so yeah I that's just something that has been in my mind this this past two weeks so thank you for giving me the space to share it be a part and go do good things great
1: things (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>